the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm joined here by members of the broadcast team, and we're getting together one more time to talk about the New Generation, this time digging into the uh, the holiday festivities that surrounded these new generation years of the World Wrestling Federation between 1993 and 1997. We're going to talk about some Yuletide carols. We're going to talk about some uh, crazy moments, maybe some memories we've got growing up in the era as being uh, young lads and waiting underneath the tree for one of those uh, WWF uh, treasures to be uh, dropped off by jolly old St. Nick. So as we get rolling into today's episode, let me welcome in from the Great Garden State, the one and only Mr. CP, who was smack dab in the middle of that new generation, as we've come to learn on this program. Mr. Chadster, thanks for the welcome. Uh, it's going to be an interesting show today. Uh, yeah, it's always fun to take this walk down memory lane, especially uh, this holiday season. It's a festive time. It's a weird Christmas for a lot of people this year, but we'll go back to when everything was great and wonderful in those mid or early 90s times and you know seasons beatings to everyone <laughs> i wonder if it sucked for everybody like our age then and we just didn't realize it because we were like completely out of it and just uh waiting for saturday morning and waiting for superstars and uh being little marks i wonder if uh i wonder if being 38 sucked back in uh, 1993 <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it did i'm quite positive it did Oh my gosh. So think about this Christmas time, new generation years. Uh, they didn't always run big time events in the later part. They would, there's the kind of, you know, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, like subpar 95 seasons beatings, the in your house from December 95, which was regarded as one of the poorest, uh, buy rated shows in the history of the company. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, but you know, they've had other little things that they did around the holidays, little, uh, little, you know, little nods to the Christmas season uh, that we'll get to talk about. But, you know, when we talk about that era, 93, 94, 95, uh, let's talk about our own little personal uh, diatribes here. So take me back to being a little CP uh, Christmas time. You know, you make your list, you check it twice, you give it to whoever needs to see it. Uh, what's the item that you're looking for, uh, wrestling related to be under the Christmas tree? Hmm. So I specific, I definitely remember in this era waiting for in your house for Sony PlayStation video game hmm. style. Okay. Interesting. That was a good one. Okay. That was, uh, that was uh, the, the first PlayStation WWF game, correct? Yeah. And it was kind of like, um, it was not like a long form wrestling game. It was almost more like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like the fights right. would be like a minute long. And it was just kind of like you just beat someone until they're at energy. But it would take a couple of minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, Go they ahead. had like kills. They had, you know, Doink had his buzzer that would turn you into a skeleton. Uh, they they couldn't do everything because I remember, you know, just going to the top rope and dropping the Hitman elbow like 700 times. You know, yes. they were limited <laughs> to what they could do, but they looked great. <laughs> yeah, that Razor Ramon Razor's Edge would uh, it would move that person like an accordion. They would fold up the opponent taking that move. So who do we have in that? We had uh, Doink. We had Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, uh, Yokozuna, correct? Yeah, Razor Ramon, obviously. Yes. Um, I want to say Diesel's on there. Um, I don't remember Diesel. Undertaker, uh, definitely. Undertaker's definitely on there. Uh, Is Goldust in there? Um, He might have been on there. I'm pulling it up right now. Let's look at the roster. He was on there. You can't uh, you can't run anything by us when you got the old Google machine in yeah, front no, of us. Let's that. see who was in this game. We had Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The 10 playable wrestlers in the game included Bret Hart, The Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels. Owen Hart, The British Bulldog, Goldust, Ahmed Johnson, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, uh, The Vader. Ultimate Warrior, and Vader. And you got oh yeah, you got the Mr. Perfect uh, commentary as well, which I oh yes, good call, good call. So no <laughs> Diesel, but you got the Ultimate Warrior in there, so that was a pretty big deal because he wasn't in a lot of licensed products uh, around that time. Yeah, no, definitely. And you had the different uh, the different stages too. You weren't just always in a wrestling; you were always in a ring, but it was always in a another venue. It was in other things than just a regular arena. Like I believe they had the Bret Hart uh, Dungeon. And there was like a graveyard type thing with the Undertaker's logo yeah. around. Very cool. You know, innovative for the time. I'm not a big video game guy, uh, but obviously, you know, then I was. Um, yeah. And I, I like the fact that yeah, you know, PlayStation was such a cool system and you know, everything was a little more realistic, even though I bet you if we put it in right now, it would look horrible. Um, but I think it was just the fact that uh, you get to see a little bit of video in there and it was coming more to life. But what kind of sucked versus maybe like, you know, Royal Rumble or uh, the uh, WWF Raw game, like got limited amount of people to choose from, you know, and there wasn't as much. I mean, I know in those games, there was less than you could do than anything. But to me, I liked it, but I didn't love it. If you know where I'm going with that. Yeah, no, I really wanted it at the time. I don't know that I particularly loved it, although I thought it was a step up from, I'm trying to remember the previous WWF video games, but WCW had put out uh, uh, N64, their WCW World Tour, and then WCW versus NWO the following year, and those games were awesome, and it was like, it caused the WWF, I think, to have to at least change what they were trying to do video game-wise. And they had uh, WCW versus the World, which was not I would say the best game they ever had, but it was cool because you could choose all these random people that at that time, I'm sure, you know, 95% of the kids playing it had no, no idea who some of the Japanese guys were, some of the luchadors, uh, but you know, WCW definitely, uh, oddly enough, because their marketing wasn't that great, on top of the video games, like uh, <laughs> like a house of fire, that was, that's for sure. And I'll give you the, uh, the release dates here. Uh, October 31st, 1996, uh for the playstation one for this in your house there goes the neighborhood video game yes yes uh and it was definitely that was an under the tree presence i think it was next to twisted metal 2 and a playstation (laughs) 
we, I, believe, we, I believe I was the PlayStation was the it was brand new at this time for me. As were well. you uh, hoping for a little Crash Bandicoot uh, to be under there, or <laughs> or Jet Moto? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yes, Jet Moto, fantastic game. I'm partial to Jet Moto uh, Two. I think uh, <laughs> Jet Moto was great. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I mean, if I was to try to remember back, I, I don't specifically remember because we've talked about it with the merch. The merch was not as easy to come by at yeah. this point. Uh, you know, 95, uh, 96, well, maybe more 96 than it was in 93, 94, 95. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Christmas 92 or if it was Christmas 93 where uh, there was an incident where uh, the, and for us local guys, we'll all get this reference. Uh, and I don't care. I'm going to tell the story anyway, because if you're from the area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but where we grew up in Monmouth County, New Jersey, in Hazlitt, there was a child world that became a Toys R Us. Now, if you remember child world, it was a toy store that the outside of it was shaped like a castle. CP, do you remember child world? I do remember child's world. Yes. Okay. So you remember when the child world went out of business and the Toys R Us, which we had to travel for originally came to Hazlitt. That was kind of a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. So I remember going to the grand opening of said Toys R Us. So that's why I'm saying it has to be Christmas, either 92 or 93 but i i just can't recall but you know the 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 figures were always released on a certain delay like they'd be months and months and months after you know the guys were in the company so you know so and so would be maybe in wcw and now you're seeing this figure pop up so i can recall going to the grand opening of the toys r us and walking down the toy aisle and seeing the hasbros and seeing bret hart the Undertaker and the British Bulldog, and I believe Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and yeah. my jaw nearly hitting the freaking ground, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing that these existed at this point, and wigging out and being, you know, pleading my case, trying to get my mom to go along with it. And I was told, just wait for Christmas right around the corner. And I swear to God, I was on cloud nine. And I was like, yes, I'm getting, you know, these, the, this roster, the Undertaker, Brett, the Bulldog. And the only wrestling figure that I got for Christmas that year was the Berserker. <laughs> <laughs> so as you deflate the balloon over my head, yes, that's exactly how it felt. The Berserker uh, was was acquired and the other guys, it took me years to get them. Uh, but just funny enough, that's one of the ones I remember. But then if you fast forward, 96 is when the Jax figures kind of hit yeah and there was a four pack of uh the survivor series it was uh, uh gold dust ultimate warrior uh i think brett and sean and i remember getting that for christmas so that during this era those are the only things i really remember that other that was 92 you're thinking right with I must it had to be 92 or 93 but if it's 92 it could technically fit into our timeline <laughs> that that is my favorite uh set of probably Hasbro's that I've ever had was just that. Yeah. I remember the berserker and then, yeah, I just tried hard in that, that original, I think it was the original undertaker. Maybe it was the second undertaker. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the, the, those guys were just, yeah. Oh, I was so Hasbro's mad. Figures. So <laughs> mad. Almost as mad as the fact that at that same Toys R Us, a mere months later, uh, we would purchase a birthday gift for a friend who I no longer speak to. And, uh, the gift was the yellow King of the Ring ring. <laughs> That's worth like $600 now. So don't have a lot of good memories of that Toys R Us, oddly enough. <laughs> uh, my memories are from a 
before it almost closed when there would only be one register open and it would take an hour to get out of there if there were six people. But that has nothing to do with this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was a good one. Uh, that was a great uh, Toys R Us. Uh, I remember when the starting lineups uh, got liquidated and I literally was with uh, my wife now at the time and I was like, get a cart. I was like, you know what? Get two. And we walked out of there with two carts filled of uh, starting lineups. So <laughs> what? What a, what a starting lineup, Mark. I just tweeted about them the other day, too. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of Christmas memories. It was a little tough because merchandise was a little more lean. But nonetheless, you know, the, the shows and the television were very holiday reflective. And uh, we'll talk about a couple instances there. Uh, what's the first one you think of or the first one that you found uh, kind of getting ready for the show? Um. So there's it was just interesting to go i pulled up the network uh and just started checking out raws around christmas and i just remember i don't it's just kind of funny memories to to see the graphics uh which they kind of keep sometimes to this day but um you know like just uh having like the jingle bells in the screen graphics and everyone's name in a wreath uh you always see and Vince and Sean commentated a couple of times that they had like two years in a row around Christmas. Like Sean Michaels was commentating with Vince McMahon. I think one time was due to injury. I'm not sure why the other time was, um, but yeah, they were both wearing Santa hats and making constant Christmas references. Um, my strongest Christmas memory from new generation is probably the undertaker though. Um, and his, uh, his promos in the lead up to the Royal rumble match with Yoko Zuna. Um, just uh, his little uh, Paul Bearer would be, uh, you know, expounding upon the double wide, double deep casket while he was building it. <laughs> and then there's one specifically where, yeah, he just says, Merry Christmas, Yokozuna. Ho, 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 which I always thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> and remember. But, yeah, you don't even need to pay a thousand dollars on Cameo to hear him say that, you know. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, that was a part of it. Yeah, because they were, you know, Christmas theme building up to the uh, the pay per view, very Dickens like, you know, the uh, the the because the greatest part about those is that you know you knew the tone based off of the holidays um, and anything in that you know Yokozuna Undertaker feud when they were doing the casket. It's very uh, it's very methodical, you know, and it was very uh, dark. So that's great for the Undertaker yeah. to drop a ho ho ho, and you didn't even need to pay a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's quite amazing. Free ho ho ho. <laughs> now I can think about from that era. People might say, "Oh, you could go right to uh, you know back to the '92 Survivor Series," which we could say, "Oh, that's in the New Generation era." Um, in some people's timelines, not necessarily mine, because I say it starts after Raw. But yeah. everybody remembers uh, Santa Claus. Uh, coming down and uh, being there with Bret Hart at the end of uh, the 92 Survivor Series. Uh, cheap pop to my uh, buddy Chris Pavone, uh, former WWE superstar, Kalen Croft, who was in attendance for that show. But I remember the 93 Survivor Series. So that is our era. And after <laughs> Lex Luger's hand is raised as the All-Americans defeat the foreign fanatics, we get to see snow falling. We get to see uh, Luger celebrating, and the big man with the red sack heads down to the ring as Lex Luger uh, celebrates with Santa Claus, uh, albeit a month early. But uh, <laughs> Santa Claus gets back-to-back -back paydays at the Survivor Series in 92 and 93. Do you remember this at all? <laughs> uh, I definitely remember him in 92. I have a fainter memory of this 93 Lex Luger moment. 
But I mean, Santa Claus is all American, right? So it fits perfectly from what I can tell. Hey, Santa Claus is worldwide. Okay. There is no, uh, and, and he only gets like 30 seconds, by the way. Uh, but Santa Claus is a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, go reference the scene from the Santa Claus movie uh, to know what I'm, I'm talking about there. But uh, yeah, that's back to back years where they pulled the same thing with uh, Santa Claus coming out at the end. And just to kind of foreshadow some shows that we'll do in 2021, uh, there's a brand new uh, WWE network series coming out called Icons, where they're going to talk about Lex Luger and this run specifically where, um, you know, he was uh, dubbed as the all American. He was dubbed as the, uh, the chosen one. And I hope that they show the clips of that. (laughs) I'd love to hear (laughs) what he has to say about uh, sharing the ring with Santa Claus yeah. Uh, at that 93 Survivor Series. There's also going to be a show uh, not only about the British Bulldog, uh, but about Yokozuna, which I am very, very excited to watch. It looked great in the preview right. uh, that they did. And, and all the Samoan guys that I've ever interviewed, just they talk about him like he was a god. So uh, very curious to see that. Sorry for the sidebar, but uh, he was no. all, he, hey, he was in that main event. Yeah, that sounds great too. I have not seen the preview for that. I haven't. Even, I have not heard of the show, but I will. I will look for it's it. It's on YouTube. I watched the preview last night. It is. Um, it's a great 12, 13 minute preview. Shows all the episodes they're doing. I believe it's uh, Beth Phoenix, uh, Bulldog, uh, Yoko. Uh, there's a couple other ones. I can't Luger. I just can't remember the other ones off the top of my head. Um, but we'll talk about that next year. Uh, so another one that I thought of that I couldn't find it uh, <laughs> timing wise. But do you remember the commercial that ran in December 95 uh, where uh, there's a little boy in, an, uh, in a police uh, station and uh, he's ready to view a lineup and uh, a group of Santa Claus <laughs> characters are brought into the interrogation or to the lineup room. And the boy looks across to pick out which is the one that, you know, was being mean to him. And we get to see, I believe it's Razor Ramon and Yokozuna and I believe maybe Diesel and Shawn Michaels dressed up in Santa Claus costumes uh, (laughs) for it to be revealed that the one who was mean to the kid was Harvey Whippleman. Do you remember that commercial? I do remember that commercial now that you're mentioning it. Yes, very (laughs) faintly, but I remember it. Absolutely. I don't know why I can't find it anywhere, and I don't feel like searching through uh, 1995 TV to, uh, <laughs> to single it out. But just so funny because in that Yokozuna documentary, in the uh, the commercial for it, they show a clip of him in a Santa suit, which I think they put him in a Santa suit in a uh, for a WWF magazine shoot as well. But you clearly see Yoko with the beard on. Yeah, there is a uh, there's a Yoko commercial too with just Yoko and Fuji. Um, do you recall that commercial? He's in like the city. No, he is. Uh, he's in the city. He's dressed as Santa, and kids are uh, kids are on his lap, and he's hearing what they want for Christmas. And Mister Fuji's helping them put him on his lap, and he's in a Santa hat too on the side. And then he wakes up out of a nightmare, uh, and he's and Mister Fuji's like, "Yoko, what happened?" Uh, but yeah, he's oh, so his, he's like nice in his dreams. Yeah, he was Santa Claus in his dream, and then he woke up and all panicked and sweaty. And Mister Fuji was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, that's from somewhere around that time, ninety four, ninety five, something like that. 
Oh damn! No, that's uh, that's one I got to look for. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty different. Uh, another you know big man in a Santa suit that I uh, remember was technically this guy's uh, reveal and the first photo shoot that he did showing back up to the company. But if you recall the cover of the WWF magazine, and I believe December ninety four was King Kong Bundy in a Santa suit, and that was the first photo shoot he did coming back to the company. What way? What a better way to bring back a monster than to put him immediately in a Santa suit. And that's what he said. You know, he, I remember him talking about it. As he said, uh, you know, that's how he knew it was going downhill right away because of the fact that <laughs> he shows up. It's supposed to be this big deal, blah, 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 blah. And he's wearing a Santa Claus costume. And I think he's pulling uh, Jameson out of the uh, the bag. <laughs> <laughs> so not really the greatest uh, return for uh, for KKB. Yeah, he was never really treated like a top guy in that new generation time period when he was back. No, not uh, not at all. Um, but, you know, again, they they would throw you little nuggets holiday wise. You know, they, they were on the Macy's uh, float in uh, 1993 at the Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, which is funny because they were in Boston, you know, for the uh, <laughs> for the Survivor Series. So that, I'm sure that was a fun ride. <laughs> Did they were they on the Macy's were they on the Macy's float for a few years? I think there was a couple of years. Yes, I f- I have a memory of the purple Undertaker float, but that must have been like ninety like ninety five. Yeah, no, the, I think it was. Uh, you know what? I think I just found uh, what you were talking about. Holy shit! I can't believe it. I think I found <laughs> as we're talking the Yokozuna uh, commercial, and I, I'm gonna check it out as we're uh, as we're we're chit chatting. In the background, we can kind of run some commentary over it. Yokozuna as Santa Claus, December 26, 1993. They're in front of the the time. Uh, they're in front of the the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. This is a very happy and joyful uh, Yokozuna. Oh yeah, giving a Bret Hart T-shirt to a little uh, little girl. There's Mister Fuji. It must have been freezing, by the way, with these guys in their gear. Basically. There he is with the sack over his shoulder. Beautiful look at Rockefeller Center. Smiling with kids. These kids probably have no idea who he is. Uh, <laughs> he just got a kiss. That looks like that might be his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and look, he's all happy. That's great. <laughs> and let's go Santa. Oh, there he is. So now he wakes up in his uh, robe. <laughs> And he wears it in a ring. He, he's wearing that. He is sweaty as can be, like uh, CP said. He shook it off, and there's Mr. Fuji asking him if he's okay. He also is sleeping in like a twin bed, five hundred pounder. And just like CP said, there's the wreath around the WWF unbelievable uh, like surfboard, and it says "Happy Holidays from the World Wrestling Federation." What a lovely produced little commercial there by the broadcast <laughs> team. Very, very nice to see that. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Get to see Yoko in the little added character there for a minute before you get the reveal. That's too funny. All right. How about this one? So let's talk about the 95 uh, December in your house. It's uh, seasons beatings uh, famously main evented by the, uh, the British bulldog and um, uh, Bret Hart in a extremely, extremely bloody affair. Uh, another one of those sneaky Bret Hart hard way, uh, 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 quote unquote, hard way. That's what they told the office. Um, blade jobs that he would do, and I mean, he bleeding like a stuck pig all over the place. It, it's it adds to the match. The match is is awesome, 
but just the rest of the the show is just it's not very good it's uh like it was one of the weaker shows and then ended up being one of the lowest buy rates of the era maybe all time within the uh the wwf um you know do you have any memories of this show specifically yeah absolutely i mean my my memory is what you were just talking about though the bulldog bleeding and just the fact that brett and Bulldog, uh, just, Brett just, I mean, he just drags Bulldog to great matches every time they compete with each other. <laughs> they, they just, yeah, they have multiple really good matches, and this is definitely one of them. And it was, it was good. To, it was fun to see at the time because it was, it didn't really, uh, it didn't necessarily feel like the Bulldog was a legit threat to the title. Uh, so it was, it was fun to get a great match out of it, basically. Yeah, the, it's exactly right. It, you know, perfect pairing, of course, with the two of them. You know, I'm sure they could work matches with their eyes closed. Uh, it definitely didn't have the excitement that, you know, obviously Wembley Stadium had. Uh, Bulldog's a heel. He's kind of still a fresh heel. He turned heel in August. But it just, it's, I don't know if it's just the show that brought it down or what, but the opening match is Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty. Great team. Against the one, two, three kid and Psycho Sid. Um, Jeff Jarrett returned after a few months away, uh, you know, touting Ain't I Great. Uh, this would be the franchise's last appearance as Dean Douglas. Uh, I've talked about this before. This is one of my favorite moments. Um, as the Dean, um, he legitimately has a broken back here as he comes to the, uh, uh, to the ring with his paddle, which is called the Board of Education, just so everybody knows. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I have the video up here. You can see how he's moving, correct? Yes. Yeah, I could tell. He clearly does not look well, which I don't think I ever noticed before. Now, he got heat for it. They accused him of lying. They accused him of faking the x-rays. He said he did not know how you could fake a broken back, but he he had a broken back. And what he does is, is he comes out here and cuts a franchise promo as Dean Douglas. He does not put on the fake voice. He says he can't compete. He finds a replacement and ends up being Buddy Landell. And uh, Buddy Landell faces Ahmed Johnson. So right off the bat, you know, you're getting a replacement. You're not getting the guy that was advertised. And uh, just, you know, it just to me, that's not a pay-per-view match. You know, Buddy Landell and Ahmed Johnson. The nature boy? He can make anything a pay-per-view match. And they give him Ric Flair's music, which had to be a complete <laughs> rib. Had to absolutely be a rib. It's so great that he had Ric Flair's WWF music. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. But you could just, yeah, Shane is in clear, clear pain here. And he just, he's got a kind of different look in the face than he did as Dean Douglas. You know what I mean? You see more of the franchise. See the laugh? He's doing the franchise mannerisms. He's done with this character. He's absolutely, you know, he's cutting a promo. And what he said is Vince told him uh, before he went out, basically like, you know, say one of your go, uh, go ahead and do one of your famous shoot promos that everybody knows you're so uh famous for and that's what he did when he went out there and he talked uh you know like how he normally would everywhere else except for these four months as dean douglas <laughs> yeah it's uh it's very odd I, I don't know it's just so crazy when you just see his ability to go out and do that and then think about the dean douglas character but that's that's what happens sometimes a lot of blue yes yes a lot of powder blue that's <laughs> Or baby blue, or whatever the hell blue uh, that is. Hey, that kid made a Dean Douglas sign that we're uh, <laughs> uh, also he, had the hog pen match. I'm sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say he should be thankful that they didn't make him fight oh my, or wrestle Ahmed Johnson with a broken back. Right? Oh my god, can you, can you imagine that? So now uh, this also famously has the hog pen match. 
Henry Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley with Hillbilly Jim as the uh, special guest referee, which I'm going to just point out here. Hillbilly Jim, I mean, always in amazing shape. He could have been in this match. How great he looked. <laughs> he looked exactly the same that he did in 1985. Uh, in 1995, didn't look older. He didn't look any different. He's just as jacked. His hair is just as bushy. Am I right? He looks like his LJM oh, figure here. <laughs> he know, and he—I mean, he has not. I don't think he's lost any energy to this day. You remember his Hall of Fame speech, I'm sure. So he can go forever. Uh, there's the—we just saw the conclusion of the match. Yes. Henry Godwin loses his own specialty match. Into the slop, into the pig mud, uh, the hog pen. That is a interesting uh, way to end a match. And Hillbilly Jim, being the consummate professional, raises the hand of Hunter Hearst Helmsley. But Hunter Hearst Helmsley, being the heel that he is, not having that. And there, boom, Hillbilly right to uh, Henry Godwin. And here's the famous clip. They would show it a million times of Triple H getting dropped in the uh, the slop, which I'm sure has been uh, nixed from the library. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think he likes having that shown? I don't think so, but you can see his back is messed up. He got uh, cut open by the wood on the uh, on the hog pen. Now, if you know anything about Mark Canterbury, um, lives on a farm, has pigs, is all uh, basically everything that Henry Godwin was. <laughs> and it's amazing to see he's uh, he is such a nice guy. And uh, I am so happy that we got to see him on uh, the uh, Survivor Series a few uh, weeks ago. And get uh you know get get to wave to the uh, the Thunderdome <laughs> in the way yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely cool to see him come out. There was a couple of random people that you just haven't seen in years on TV. Yeah, Henry and Phineas uh, at the top of that list. Yeah. Savio Vega. Here you go. You got Diesel versus Owen Hart. Uh, this was Diesel getting revenge for uh, Shawn Michaels, who was quote out of action at the time uh, due to the thugs. Um, Another uh, classic moment from this show. Uh, <laughs> Savio Vega getting attacked by uh, Santa Claus, uh, who we would find out would be Santa Claus with an X. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great characters of all time. Look at uh, this. We're watching him. Low, he's throwing stuff out. Uh, and then wham, like mid mid back shot with the uh, uh, with the bag. Now, you know who Santa Claus was, correct? Balls, balls, balls. That's right. None other than Balls Mahoney playing Santa Claus, the evil Santa Claus from the South Pole. It's interesting that he's from the South Pole. It's like it's the complete opposite of Santa Claus. So weird. But why the hell would the Million Dollar uh, Man want? Did we name him in the Million Dollar Corporation episode? I don't remember. We did. We touched on him for a second. Yeah. He was in, I mean, he was so short lived. I don't even think he was on television for more than what, a month? I don't know. It was short lived, but I thought he revealed himself at this uh, this show, but he didn't take any of the gear off. <laughs> the million dollar man is leaving arm in arm with Santa right now. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, I kind of thought he revealed himself too. Maybe it was the night after. Yes, I, I guess it was. But here's Savio getting his uh, comeuppance and uh, retaliating. Oh, look at that. DiBiase getting involved. <laughs> on the oh, there he is. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's balls. Savio forced his reveal. Savio Vega, man. He was at that uh, Thunderdome uh, Survivor, excuse me, Survivor Series as well. So <laughs> another great face. Uh, so uh, this will also be followed by the casket match, uh, Mabel versus uh, The Undertaker. Uh, and again, 
one of the things that stood out about this show is the smoke. The Hershey Park Arena in Hershey Park, Pennsylvania, not the biggest place in the world, and the smoke that they used, it looked like a three-alarm fire, and <laughs> it just covered the, the shot for a majority of the match. And you see this in front of us, CP. I mean, it's thick smoke. So you're sitting in the first couple of rows being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, you're just looking through fog, and all you can see is Mabel's mohawk. That's about it. And the Undertaker's white mask. Yeah. <laughs> That's really it. But again, you know, this is just it's it's not the best show. And, and it just it, I hate to say it because I do love everything from this era. But, you know, it, it, I, I'd watch it over what's going on on TV now. But it's just not that great. Yeah, no, it's it's not the best show in the world. But it does have it has that hog pen match, which is one of the more uh, interesting things that's happened uh, match wise in this in this generation. And then it just has this awesome ending with Brett and Bulldog. Let's just take a look at Brett here in this uh, video we've got up because Brett is looking about as 90s uh, new generation (laughs) champion Brett as he possibly can with the pink tassels coming off the black trim leather jacket, the sunglasses, the championship belt, and the Toddster right there uh, doing the interview. I mean, this is what the champion was of the new generation. Uh, Is this Brett Hart right here? Am I right? Absolutely. This is the pink and black attack at his uh, most... 90s most mid 90s new generation i would 100 percent agree with you he's not the uh he's not the jeans silver glass bret hart standing in front of the winter mountains in the other one of the more famous <laughs> bret hart pictures that's yes. more uh early 90s late 80s bret hart trying to read the inscription on the side of those glasses i know the front says wwf world champ i don't know what the side says and the other side has his signature but he's got another little inscription here on the left side and my memorabilia brain is trying to uh, figure out what it says, but I just, I, I, I can't say enough about Bret Hart as the world champ and yeah. making you f- believe everything that he did. And as a leader, making you believe he was the champion. And I just, I absolutely, I can't get enough of this era of, uh, of the hitman Cause he just really uh, antithesized what the world championship was all about. He's got a great, uh, Christmas quote too from um, I think it's, that's the year that's before this, this is that's 1994 I'm thinking uh, but yes he has an interview pre his uh, Royal Rumble match with Diesel um, the 95 Royal Rumble but it's December it's like Christmas 94 he's doing an interview from his house with a Christmas tree behind him <laughs> and he says right. uh, and he says uh, yeah he wishes everyone a Merry Christmas except for Owen. He wishes him a rotten Christmas. <laughs> Something <laughs> along those lines. But, That's great. But yeah. But you know what? I got to say, and what do we always say on the show? We're not experts. We're not telling you, you know, things that haven't been said a million times. We're not uh, rewriting the history books. This is just being fans in that era then and talking about it as uh, looking back at the glory days, right? Yeah. You literally would sit there as a kid and be like, is Owen showing up to Christmas at the hard house? Because these two hate each other. And how are they supposed to enjoy the holidays as a family? If Owen hates bread, you know, like yeah. that's, that's legitimately something that you thought about. No family dinners can be peaceful in that hard house. Never. Especially when you know, they're going to get stretched in the basement anyway. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty terrible. That's uh, <laughs> not something I want to know about. Um, anything else before we uh, we get to wrap up? You know, it's uh, again, it's something that 
this time of the year, we didn't have eight hours of programming like we have now where, you know, Raw has a Christmas theme, SmackDown has a Christmas theme. You know, maybe you got a prime time. Uh, I know there was a couple prime times in 89 and 90 where they had, you know, Christmas decor and Roddy Piper did a lot of Christmas hijinks and stuff. But uh, again, we didn't have much to go off of as compared to, you know, other years. Yeah, they're uh, not. They weren't obsessed yet with the miracle on 34th Street fight, which has to happen every year now. Does it really? I see. Yeah, that's something I wouldn't even know now. It's gone on for. I feel like it's gone on since you were still watching wrestling. It's it's like a seven year thing. I feel like I, I the know. last thing I remember watching, you know, like regularly as a, uh, uh, you know, like a cat, you know, a regular wrestling viewer was the year that Alberto Del Rio hit Santa Claus with his car. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing I remember. Oh, you know, what's an interesting video. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what it was from, but I was just Googling uh, Christmas WWF stuff. And I found Macho Man speaking at like a Yankees event mm. in 1992. Okay, uh, I can buy it. And I need to see that because uh, I'm sure it was inspirational and amazing. Oh, it was very inspirational. He's uh, yes. He told people it was very important to be nice and Merry Christmas. And thanks to George Steinbrenner. And he was wearing full macho man garb as he always does on shows. But this was new gen or well, almost new generation macho man. If it's Christmas in 92. Yeah. But I could tell from looking at it, I was like, that's definitely new generation era. And then, yeah, it was December 92. Is it kind of like uh, his music video from uh, WWF, the WrestleMania album, uh, Speaking from the Heart? <laughs> Was it like that? I think so. A little like that. Oh, this is the Macho Man talking to <laughs> you right now. Let's rock. We'll, we will talk about that one day. I talked right. about that with uh, Francine uh, like two months ago, and uh, we listened to a few clips, and she loved <laughs> the Macho Man Speaking from the Heart. Since you have the Brett Bulldog match on the screen right now, I, I'm having trouble thinking of any music other than I need a hero. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're thinking you start the fire. Oh, you start. Oh, that's, that's, I need a hero's Lex Luger. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Ooh. It is you know, I hate to tell you, but your age is really starting to show. I uh, know, I know. You're letting your brain uh, go to mush these days. My brain is going to mush when it comes to 1994 wrestling. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, I, I think that's about it. You know, if you're listening to this on your way to your Christmas destination, you know, we appreciate it, of course. Uh, you know, every, every week I, I love to hear the comments of people that find the show or, or you know, went back and listened to old episodes, and it's just... <laughs> By the way, have to stop everything I'm saying. <laughs> Jim Cornette's tennis racket is dressed like Santa. So I had to stop everything I'm saying on my soapbox uh, for two seconds just to point that out. <laughs> I did not notice that earlier. What a man. I, does, somebody please ask him if he still has that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so like I was saying, yeah, every week, you know, people saying, you know, they just found the show or they, they listened to a couple episodes and went back to listen to all of them. It's very appreciated. Again, this is all I've been told by people who have, uh, you know, asked me about it is that it's an era that nobody talks about. It's kind of stuff that's jar jarring people's memories, uh, it's making them go back and see stuff they forgot, or in some cases, and which we've heard on the air, people have never seen any of these matches. They're going back and watching these shows. So 
that's cool. Because, uh, look, I'm very down on wrestling these days. <laughs> so the <laughs> fact that people enjoy this era, it makes me feel great because this is really, you know, outside of, uh, you know, the 80s, this is the only other part of uh, time I really go back and love and watch. Uh, so... This has been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I can say that. So if you're on your way to your holiday destination and listening to this, enjoy and uh, have a very uh, merry new generation Christmas is all I could uh, all I could say. So put on your finest Mariah Carey Christmas album from 1995, and uh, you know go ask for some Jenko jeans and some LA gear, uh, blinking sneakers, and a starter jacket. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I think you covered about 70% of everything that was worn at that time. So that's very good. That's perfect. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Before we, uh, we say goodbye, CP, what, uh, what do you got going on in your world? Yeah. Just hanging out, getting ready for the holidays. Like everyone else, uh, it's Christmas time. Um, but yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter on at, at pugs. It's pugs with three Z's. Uh, you can also look up season one of the Stick and Move Stories podcast. Just Google Stick and Move Stories, and you'll find uh, documentary episodes about historic boxing matches. And yes, I will be enjoying some food and opening some presents with some family members and having a good time in a couple days for Christmas. Uh, I hope everyone out there has a great holiday, no matter what you celebrate. And um, there's a December 20th, episode, 1993 episode of Monday Night Raw where men on a mission come out with a Christmas wrap. And uh, yeah, I'll leave everyone with that. It's just uh, just a little, it's Christmas time, hip hop hooray. That's it. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else I could really add to that. That's, uh, that's <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, uh, again, it's, uh, it's great to, uh, to go back and check this shit out. And uh, if there is a raw from that time frame, go check it out. I mean, that's if you want to be in the mood. I only watch certain shows in certain times of the year, so I would absolutely go back and look at that uh, for sure. Uh, and if you want to check out that franchise promo, go watch this in your house, uh, December ninety-five, uh, December seventeenth to be exact. Uh, seasons beatings from Hershey Park, Pennsylvania. And uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Chad EMB. If you want to go to my website, it's IBExclusives.com. You'll find some autograph uh, signings I have coming up. They're private autograph signings. So it's me dealing with the uh, athlete directly, getting your uh, merchandise signed. Uh, great signing coming up with the Olympic gold medalist. One Kurt Angle uh, in January. So uh, head on over to my site and check it out. And anything with the TMPT Empire coming up on six years of podcasting it's tmptempire.com you'll get john with all the interviews and dr tom and all the great links to all the podcasts going on and under the empire umbrella over there uh and tell them that the chadster uh sent you so for uh cp uh this is your old pal the chadster we will catch you on the flip side thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading